welcome back to Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast. We're already on episode four. Last week saw us interview Claire Simmons from the Lowry, Senior Producer for Artist Development. So if you haven't checked that episode out, please do. Um, this week we are interviewing Nikki Miles Wilden, who has just finished her position at the Royal Exchange as the resident assistant director. This was part of the Regional Theatre's Young Director Scheme, which is an organisation that sends out assistant directors to different theatres around the country. Their most prestigious uh, course that they run, or programme that they run, is the 18-month placement, uh, which is what Nikki has just finished doing. She's going to talk to us about that, about earlier in her career and how she got to that point which is she also played Miranda in the Paralympics opening ceremony with Ian McKellen and she has just since being interviewed by us she's also been announced as the associate director at Grey Eye Theatre so Nikki talks a lot about them and the impact they've had on her and her career. I hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you Nikki for being here. First question, what was the moment, was there a moment where you thought theatre's for me? A moment where I thought theatre was for me is probably just growing up. Um, I, me, me and my sister used to, um, we were infatuated by the film Annie, that lovely musical. Um, and there were many a times where we would, uh, I would might well, sit on the top of the sofa in my mum and dad's living room looking out the window as if I was Annie looking out over New York City. And my sister was Molly. And we also reenacted scenes from Oliver. I was Arthur <laughs> Dodgers, he was Oliver. Um, so yeah, and we would write plays, devise plays that then uh, we'd churn out at every family event, Christmas, Easter, any occasion family got together. Um, and I just realised it was something I really loved doing, uh, performing and kind of writing and directing when I look back now um but unfortunately growing up in Gloucestershire being a disabled young person uh youth theatre there uh, was not accessible to me it was always in a building with flights of stairs no lift so I didn't have the access to to those um kind of groups um and so it wasn't until um I did a little bit of performing as well when I was in the Guild Guides <laughs> and I was in a in a Guild band called The First Four Words we actually did a concert, Woo-woo. Um, but it wasn't until I got into A-level theatre studies that I realised this was the career path I wanted to take, uh, so I knocked doing educational psychology on the head <laughs> and, uh, yeah, moved into um, wanting to get a career in theatre. So when you say, so, girl, so Girls' Guides, you were able to do Girl Guides, that was accessible? That was but accessible, the- but uh, theatre, where they have the youth theatre, wasn't. Um, and also I think it was a fear of those uh, facilitators not knowing how to adapt games to someone who didn't have the same movement as everyone else. Um, you know, this was <coughs> 80s, um, so <laughs> 90s, so it was like before there was this big kind of push for inclusivity. Mm-hmm. What was the next step then that you... To convince my parents that a career in theatre was going to be okay. And they were really supportive, but my mum did that thing of do English alongside it. Basically, you've got that to be a teacher. That's what she was saying. But I wasn't that great at English literature. Um, and I realised, no, making theatre was what I really wanted to do. So then it was just looking at university choices. Uh, applied for a couple of drama schools. Uh, again, uh, drama schools weren't very accessible to disabled people because 
and and probably still not. Some are getting better, but it's that thing of seeing disabled performers as not. Uh, uh, basically, there's not a lot of parts for you, so we're not going to waste three years training you. Uh, yeah. And is that something somebody said to you specifically? Yeah, yeah, specifically said in those words. So uh, at 18, that's kind of not what you want to hear. But also, I think it made me want to prove them wrong. Um, but yeah, and then I went on to study theatre and media drama at the Univers- University of Glamorgan in South Wales. And then, and you graduated from there. Yeah. Then, then what happened? Then what happened? So I suppose whilst I was at uni, I became aware of companies like Grey Eye Theatre Company, that are the UK's foremost disabled-led theatre company. Uh, I met a lot of people. Um, and I'd also done a little bit of stage management whilst I was at uni. And I don't think I had the courage to look at acting. Uh, straight away um, and my mum saw an advert in the stage newspaper for an uh, uh, arts council apprenticeship for to train someone as a stage manager specifically for deaf or disabled people and I thought oh, I'd like to have a go at that I want to learn how a theatre works so I applied and I got that apprenticeship and that was at the Nuffield Theatre in Southampton and that was for 18 months I'm just seeing a sort of pathway here <laughs> 18 month trainee schemes and hmm. uh, yeah, and that was brilliant. So I got to, uh, it was me and three actors out in a van touring the country, doing schools and arts venues with, uh, we were touring two shows in rep. So I would help do the ins and the outs, sort out the lighting, the sound, run the shows. Um, and I also got to work on the main house shows in the Nuffield. So kind of DSMing and ASMing shows there. Um, and then after that apprenticeship, they kept me on for a year as a kind of proper stage manager. Um, and I, I learned loads from that. It really gives you that, uh, the understanding of backstage, what goes on there. Also, I spent time kind of in the offices, uh, in the, uh, uh, it was kind of in the education team. Um, so yeah, it was a really good sort of like overview of working in a theatre. And then, yeah, after that, um, I realised I still had this passion for wanting to perform and uh, I turned down a job on a Christmas show, Panto, as a stage manager um, because I realised I just didn't, my heart wasn't in it and I had an audition for a, for a company called Spare Tire Theatre Company in London and it was for a forum theatre style show. So that show where you, you do a, a play for 45 minutes and then you ask the audience what they would do differently in that situation and then you get them up to play that role and see what happens um and I went for the audition and I got the part and that that was great it was hard work it was four months in London touring secondary schools with a show that had quite a few issues in it so it looked at kind of asylum seekers sexuality and disability all in 45 minutes um and then had like an hour and a half workshop um so it was for my first acting job Having to improvise with young people doing forum theatre was, um, it, it, it was amazing, um, and it really kept me on my toes, as it were. Um, and then through being in London, I got to build my relationship a bit more with Grey Eye Theatre Company and just meet lots of other directors and writers and really start to become of the kind of um, disabled theatre movement. Um, Grey Eye is, is a company that's part of a... A lot of people's journeys, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If, um, yeah. I guess if they identify as disabled, mm-hmm. therefore disabled. What can you say? What it did for you? 
I think uh, I remember going from my first grey eye audition, and it was whilst I was still at uni. I had taken the show up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival called Three Foot Off the Ground, which I'd written at uni, and it was about my experiences as a disabled person. I suppose, in a way, going on my own sort of journey. And Jenny Seeley, who had just been made Artistic Director of Grey Eye, came along to watch it. And from that, she invited me to this audition. And the audition was for their Tennessee Williams show, um, A Lovely Sunday for Creve Coeur. And it was all women in this audition. And I just remember going in... Uh, women with lots of different impairments. And I was, I just felt like I didn't have to apologise for needing to sit down to take a break. Uh, games were easily adapted for everyone. And it sounds weird, but I was like, yeah, I found my tribe. <laughs> um, and I think for me, it was like knowing they were there, it empowered me. I think, to go on with my practice. And then having those opportunities w to work with them, uh, it, it's just, it, it's about, I think it's about your identity, but also about going, no, actually, theatre should be accessible to everyone at every show, not just on the one Wednesday matinee towards the end of the run. Uh, you know, that we should look at getting audio description, um, captioning sign language into every show. And why not? Because actually it makes it more creatively interesting. And uh, with Grey, you then went to uh, perform as Miranda in the Paralympics. Yeah, so that, yeah, throughout my acting career, I did a couple of jobs with Grey Eye. Yeah. My first one was Flower Girls, which was um, in co-pro with New Walls in Ipswich, which was about a bit of disability history I didn't know about these women in World War II that helped the war effort which was amazing because I always thought as disabled women we were hidden away. Um, and then I kind of created a, a, yeah, a good working relationship with them and going out doing workshops, facilitation, uh, other acting jobs. And then in 2012, Jenny was uh, co-directing the Paralympic opening ceremony. And through Grey Eye, because originally I was in the ceremony as a wheelchair dancer, because through Grey Eye we'd set up um, a group of power wheelchair dancers called the rhinestone rollers so using our power wheelchairs we would line dance to you know stand by me uh these boots are made for walking but we changed it to these wheels are made for wheeling um so they decided to put us in the ceremony so i was rehearsing that from about the may or june um and then about three four weeks before the ceremony i got asked to audition for the main role as miranda um and I thought, well, why not? Go and that's for it. Miranda from The Tempest. Yeah, because yeah. it turns out, as I found out when I got the part, <laughs> that that was what the whole idea was. It was based on The Tempest in a, in a loose way. Um, and for that first audition, I had to go and just do a little piece to camera. Um, and then to, I got asked to come back two days later to see what I'd be like in a harness going up and flying. I was like, well, you know, if I don't get the part, at least I've tried something new. <laughs> I've had to go in a harness, harness, done a little bit of aerial work. And I was up against other people that had had circus training with Grey Eye for like the last year, two years. I was like, oh, I'm not going to get it. And then I got in the car and I drove uh, to Cardiff to go and see a friend in hospital. And I remember I just pulled up in the hospital car park and I got the phone call that night. And this was a Thursday night, so... Uh, You're going to be Miranda. you got to come into rehearsals on Monday. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so yes, yeah, so I started rehearsals for that on the Monday and that's when I found out it was based on The Tempest um, that some dude called Sir Ian McKellen was going to be in it uh, Professor Stephen Hawking was going to be there um, 
so yeah, it was it was a full on kind of in the end three and a half week rehearsal, and that split between um, storyboarding where they go through intricately as to what the camera shots are going to be, to getting my hair dyed blonde, uh, having the blue streak put in it, um, to then I think ten days before the ceremony we were in the stadium. Mm. But yeah, and it was amazing that night. We'd all been told by the aerial, aerial team, you know, um, have a moment to take it all in and enjoy it. And I think I did, uh, maybe at the beginning of the ceremony, where you kind of, I was wheeled out into the stadium, um, ready to be put in the harness. And the stage manager just went, and this is all for you. And there's 70,000 people there. And they did the big flyby with the, uh, the Paralympic uh, flying team. And I just remember, like, thinking to myself, don't cry, don't cry, your mascara's <laughs> going to run, you're going to be live on telly and you have a big, like, mascara streaks. Um, but it's really hard because it's so... I just held Tash, who was the aerial um, person with me who was putting me in my harness. I just held her hand and we couldn't look at each other because we just knew it would make one another cry. Because it was just such an amazing feeling to think that we were there representing the, the UK, representing Great Britain, and showing the world how far the UK, how far ahead the UK are in terms of disability and uh, arts and disability as well. And it was a proper celebration. I was there with a lot of my mates that I'd met through Grey Eye. And now you've kind of made a transition to directing. Mm -hmm. so, and how did that happen? Yeah, trying to think about directing. I think it's something that's I remember someone saying to me, a close friend saying, you should be a director. And I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. But I think what she saw in me was probably that director dying to get out. Um, because I remember I'd work on shows and I loved it as an actor, but I always got to a point where I got a little bit bored. And I think I got bored once we opened. <laughs> I still did a good job, but it was like, yeah. Um, and so I, during 2012, uh, my mate, Daryl, who I work with now quite a lot, um, he was artistic director of a company called Kazoom in Bethnal Green that I work with. And so he was in the ceremony because he's a um, disabled guy and uh, he's a brilliant um, aerialist. So he was asked to be in the ceremony. So whilst he was in the ceremony, I was supposed to be standing in for him as his job as artistic director at Kazoom. Then I got the job as Miranda, so we had to kind of balance it between us. But it was during that time and kind of assisting him on uh, various shows at Kazoom and also assisting Jenny on some outdoor work that I started to realise maybe I am a, a director. Um, and I kind of hung up my acting career in 2015, I think doing a Shakespeare, The Winter's Tale, playing Paulina, which was a part of what I've always wanted to play. I think that was when I went, nah, I'm... I love it, but I don't love it that much. And I want to move into directing. And by this time, I'd assisted uh, Jenny on her production of Blood Wedding, which we'd opened in Dundee, Rep, and toured to kind of Derby um, and New Wolsey and Ipswich. So I'd, I'd kind of, when we were touring that show, I was the, the assistant director slash associate director, and I put those shows into the new venues into the new venues. Um, and I'd also set up my own theatre company, Toucan Theatre Company in Gloucestershire, with my mate Louise. Um, and that was starting to pick up as well, doing work with young people, because I wanted to show disabled young people in Gloucestershire that there is a place you can come to uh, and make drama, make work. Um, and also, 
to enable people to see it as a profession, not just as a therapy. Yes. If that makes sense. Because there is a lot of that around disabled people doing drama. Oh, you must do it because it's a therapy. Like, nah, it's because, like, we want to do it. We want to hang out with our mates. We want to have a good time. We're creative. Um, so, yeah, so I think all those factors, that was what pushed me to, to be a director. And then, so, and then since then, you've since worked at, as, as assistant at the National Theatre yeah. on Mosquitoes. Yeah. And now you've been the resident assistant director at the Royal Exchange for just coming up to 18 months. Yeah. 17 months. Seven, yeah. <laughs> 17 months, three weeks, uh, five days. Yeah. Um, and how has that been? What, uh, what's your role here? Like, what's your role been here? Uh, so my role here is I'm, I'm on the, yeah, the Regional Theatre Young Director Scheme, which has been an 18th month placement. And sadly only got uh, just under four weeks left, which has just flown by. I was talking to Sue Emma this morning on the phone. I was like, I can't believe how quickly it's gone. And Sue's the artistic director yeah, of RTYDS that yeah. fund all these placements mm-hmm. for young directors. Yeah, and she's been a great support to me as I've been here. Um and I think, so my role here has been very much assistant director. So um, I share those duties with the Birkbeck trainee director that's here. Um, so I've assisted on Guys and Dolls was my first one, uh, which was mega. Yeah. Um, and looking un- after the understudies um, and just checking it. Watch. So I'd watch the show uh, two, probably twice a week, note it. Um, yeah, so watch it, note it, watch it again to make and sure the actors are doing what you've asked them to do. Yeah, so when you you note it, that is, what it's, does that mean? It's just to make sure that it's still fresh, it's still clean, well, it feels it anyway, that there's no ad-libbing going on, <laughs> uh, that the blocking is still okay, that it's still that show that we sent out on press night, really, right. it's still to that standard. So um, then afterwards you tell the actors, yeah. you, you're doing this wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not as blunt as that. Uh, try and word it in a fashionable way. So it says, you know, vocally you need to push it a little bit more. Or mm, that thing that you've added in there, it's a lovely offer, but I doesn't, don't think it quite works. So, yeah, stuff like that. How to be tactical, really, um, which can sometimes be quite hard. Um, but, yeah, and then go and watch it again and just make sure they've taken on those notes. Um, and what is that process like? Because obviously you've been as an assistant director in the room rehearsing, mm-hmm. but then... The director leaves, presumably. The yeah, director the director the kind of leaves once press night is out of the way. They can still come back and see it whenever they like. I can't stop that. <laughs> um, but then I become kind of in charge of the show, as it were. So I have to have been in the rehearsal room, had a clear understanding of the director's vision, uh, what the conversations have been had between director and actor, so that you know why an actor is doing a certain thing. Um, yeah, getting to understand the stage management team, what their roles are, um, looking at what sound and lighting are doing, you know, when we get into those technical rehearsals, just so you, you're not noting things wrong. Yeah. That you're not coming in and treading on people's toes or completely redirecting the piece. Um, so I think it's that, that's what the important thing is, is to really take those things on board as an assistant in the room. And that role, which is a very specific role, isn't it? Of mm-hmm. assistant director yeah. and, um, and then noting throughout the run. How much is that a different skill set to, say, directing? Okay, so note in the run, I say, is quite different to directing because you're still working to someone else's vision. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing you have to remember. There might be some things that you don't agree with, but you shut up and you get on with it because you're respecting that other person's work. Can you give us an example of one of those? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I start. 
uh, yeah. So it's it's that really, and and also I think you you build up a relationship with the actors, so they respect you and they take on your notes. Not always, and you've got to let that go as well, because yeah. that's not about you. That's more about them as a person and what their agenda is with this piece. But yeah, your role as the assistant is purely to to um, help that director reach their vision, like you are with like any other member of the creative team. Is if you're the lighting designer or the sound designer, you're working to create that that piece, aren't you? Really. And then as you've directed works, so you directed The Tempest with the Rolex Exchange Young Company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, am I right in thinking that was your, as part of the RTYDS scheme, you'd direct one show? Yeah, was that, 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 was, was... that was part of my uh, kind of contract here that I was given the Young Company show, um, which I was really excited about because I'd worked up here previously on the House of Bernardo Alba, which is Grey Eye and uh, Royal Exchange Co-Pro. And I got to know Matt Hassel quite well, who runs the young, who used to run the Young Company here, um, and had done workshops with some members of the Young Company. So to have that, I was like, I was really excited. And then coming here and I was associate director on Mixtape, which was Matt's last show here as a director. I got to know the young company quite well. Um, got to got to see how Matt's uh, working relationship was um, and what he brought to those groups. So I I was really terrified because I felt like it was really like big boots to fill. But um, I, I knew I didn't want to do a devised piece because I come from a devising background. So for me, it was doing a text. And I said, so what about this book? What about that book? She went, you could do that standing on your head. She said, I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to challenge the young people. You're going to do a Shakespeare. Okay. And I went, yeah, okay, challenge accepted. It's Sarah Frankham. I'm hardly going to turn around and go, no. <laughs> um, so then it was like, well, what Shakespeare can I do? And I uh, I wanted to do Titus Andronicus to start with, <laughs> but that's like got so much blood and guts and gore. Um, and then Pericles, but then you're like, oh, National Theatre are doing that. Don't want to do that. And then kind of looked at The Tempest, and then we knew we were doing it off-site, Abraham Moss School. And I think in a meeting, someone said, well, the school could be the prison. And that just dropped with me. And that was like, yeah, that's what it is. These young people are using school as this prison, prison to hold people. And and then through that chat with my designer, we were talking about that big thing about how at school, uh, it's kind of arts versus science, a lot in the curriculum as well. So what if we had um, Prospero? Prospero reads books, knowledgeable and I was adamant I wanted a uh, female Prospero. Um, and just holding the auditions with the co- young company and having worked with them, uh, I think I auditioned 30. I offered parts to all 30 because I was like, I can't say no. And I think there's a way we can get everyone in it. Um, and we ended up, two people dropped out, so we ended up with a cast of 28. So we made the aerials a group of geeks, kind of the computer nerds. And then we had, how do we get the spirits in? And why do the trendy gang, the Alonzo gang, not see the spirits? And then we were like, well, it's like at school where the spirits are the arty students. And if you're cool, you don't, those, if you're, you know, if you're in the cool gang, you don't see the arty students. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so they, it becomes sort of like they're invisible because they're not important to you. So we started playing around with that and so the spirits could um, create magic or tricks on the Alonzo gang, but because the Alonzo gang weren't opening their eyes, they couldn't see them. Um, yeah, and we just took over Abraham Moss School. We were there, so we had two weeks rehearsal at Royal Exchange and then the school for a week limited time between like 10 and 4 
school bells going off, even throughout the summer holidays, which is really eerie. Um, yeah, I mean, it was brilliant. They, they worked their socks off, that young company. And we had two days tech, and then we opened with our press night. And our press night was the only night that got, we had a wet show where it rained. It was like a tempest outside before <laughs> we started. So we had to quickly rehearse a new route around the school. And they did it. They did it brilliantly. Um, and it was great seeing how their characters developed. I think they did something like 12 shows over four days. So we worked them hard. But yeah, it was, it was a real privilege to work on it and something that I hold deeply in my heart. We completely mashed up Shakespeare, which maybe some critics didn't like, but we took ownership of it. And come to your end of your 18 mm-hmm. months, um, what you talked in one interview that I read about always thinking about what the theatre that you're working for can do for you, which mm-hmm. is quite a natural thing to think. Yeah. Um, but you also talked in your, in, in your position about what you can do for the theatre. Um, so the National Theatre, you were talking about access, um, accessibility. Um, have you, looking back at your time now, do you think you've made a change? Um, I've done a lot here with the young company and just through being around the building, I think using my wheelchair, uh, integrating those bits of access I want to see, I think I've started to make a change with the young company. I've worked with the creative learning engagement department on setting up the um, SEND schools festival. And SEND is it's special educational needs and disabilities. Disabilities. Yeah. Festival. So it's a festival. It's where a festival where we've worked with uh, schools across Greater Manchester, eight schools uh, who have student uh, who have uh, disabled students, um, and I've worked with the teachers, uh, me and a facilitator called Joe England. We've worked with um, the teachers on giving them skills in device. Um, and then a group of the young people who are the producers have come up with the theme so this year it's uh, Breaking Free and it's about your fear, facing your fears um, and then over th- uh, so since November they've had chance to work on these pieces and facilitators have gone out into the schools um, to help shape them and then at the end of April on my last day which is why I chose it as my last day we have the second festival here um, and it was great, last year was our first one and I helped set that up as well and go out into the schools and do the workshops. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to see it sort of continuing. And there's talk of it because it's been such a success and people, uh, the young people enjoy performing, that there's potential of it to go further, which will be really great. Um, but also things that have really touched me being here is there's a group of young actors that I work with on The Tempest Uh and mixtape and they've gone on and they've set up a company called Switch in Manchester they now caption every show that they do and have one show which is at least BSL signed um, and they refuse to do work in a venue that isn't accessible um, and that's because I've worked with them so I see that as a, a legacy um, passing it down to the next generation of theatre makers um, so Definitely, yeah. and that's people at eight, about eighteen years old, are 18, they? Eighteen, yeah, 19, yeah. Um, that are making that choice right at the start yeah. of their career. Yeah, definitely, and I just, yeah, fully support them doing that. Coming to the end, have you got any tips for future, say, future assistant directors, or uh, yeah, p- uh, future people who want to work in a building like the Royal Exchange? Yeah, so I think future assistant directors, I would say, uh, if you if you want to work in a building. Get in contact with the artistic director. Send your CV. Send a little cheeky email. That's what I did with Rufus Norris. I um, 
been on a workshop with him for three or four days. Um, and I just sent him my CV and email after. And then lo and behold, I got asked to assist him on mosquitoes. So that, that worked for me. And I think, uh, I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to have done that four or five years ago. Do you know what I mean? And it's done when it said, just do it. And I did it. Yeah. Get to know what work that building is making. Do you like that work? Find out who directed it. Send them a message to say why you liked it. Uh, whether that's a letter or an email um and ask for those opportunities where you can come and assist or even like here we have the observe on monday scheme see if you could come in and observe meet the directors ask them questions um as an assistant assist the people you would never have thought of assisting maybe find if it's the work you like but also find the work you're not sure about I never thought I'd work on a musical and then I was associate director on Tommy and then also assisted here on Guys and Dolls and I'm looking forward to making a musical one day yeah. um, so I think push yourself get out of your comfort zone find those people, hunt them down go look at smaller companies see how they work to look at the bigger venues as well um, and I think never say never to an opportunity, unless it's not going to work for you. Um, but I think there's part of me where I go, after assisting for probably two, three years in a way of what I've done, I'm probably done with assisting mm. and I need to make my own work. But then if someone comes in with an offer and I'm interested in that play, I think I'd still take it. Because I think there's something about being in that room, watching someone else work, that as directors you very rarely get to see how anyone else directs. So an assistant director is the opportunity to do that. Um, ask questions, write things down. Uh, if you are going to assist on a show, I say meet with the director a couple of weeks before you're going to start rehearsals. Ask them how they'd like to work the room. Sometimes you might be told to just shut up and sit in the corner. That's fine. Um, but always be ready, be prepared, be on the book, be taking down blocking uh be ready to ask questions taking down blocking which means uh what the actors are doing so okay. so a bit like the stage manager does in their book particularly if you're doing understudy calls just so you you remember where so people move so you'd write in the script next yeah to the kind of a bit of the stage diagram and then so and so move here to here okay on this cool. line um yeah just so then if the stage manager's off or, or then ask the stage manager if you can have a look at their book so you understand the blocking um yeah yeah. I think, yeah, it's not really advice. It's just, yeah, lots no, of things good, yeah. coming together, I think. And also good for, to hear you say about, you know, like that you've done a lot of assisting now and you want to move on. Because I think a lot of people, like, I think see it as a natural step and mm. the assistant director. Yeah. Um, but some people do it for 10 years, don't they? Yeah, and I think that's fine. I think it's about what you get out of that. And you might assist because then that gives you... Uh, meet new people gives you a little bit of income to go and do your own smaller fringe work or whatever um but also i think what i've realized is there's no correct way of doing it it's about you as a director in that room what's your vision uh the relationship you can get between the actors uh, getting the right actors in the room and getting the team of people around you to help you support your vision um so just be aware of that when you're an assistant get the names of every creative that you work with uh, get all those picture, the spotlight images of the actors, make your own kind of spotlight lists, um, because there'll come a time when you're like, who was that person that I assisted on that show with? So, yeah, always keep those things up to date. Great. And, and finally, so what is next? 
before Nicky Miles will do. <laughs> what is next for Nicky Miles World? And that is the big question. Uh, I am directing the Rift Festival over at Leeds, which is exciting, which is working with the MA students, uh, writing students there, who have written some 15-minute pieces, and I get to direct those of some professional actors. Uh, I am back to doing uh, my outdoor show, Bingo Lingo, which I love, and Bucker Brenda, which is our new show. Uh, so if you're about at Stockton or Greenwich and Docklands festivals or uh, Hat Fair in Winchester, then you will see us performing this summer. Uh, and possibly in Milton Keynes doing uh, our version of the Bake Off as well. Um, lots of fun. Uh, and then, yeah, back to freelance, really. Uh, a couple of projects pending funding. Um yeah, we'll see. I'm quite excited to yeah. go back to freelance. I will miss the monthly wage, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm ready to put into practice all the things I've learned here because um, I feel my confidence has grown. Uh, meeting new people in Manchester, uh, and and I think that's been one of the big bonuses of being up here is seeing the because I moved up here from Gloucestershire where there's probably more theatres in the centre of Manchester than there is in the whole of Gloucestershire. Um, so it's about going and having meetings, having cups of coffee, and just, uh, yeah, seeing what's going on, because um, I'm really loving it. Great. So you're excited for the next... I'm very next excited, thing. yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thanks Thank for you. talking to us. And we'll see what happens next. Actually, that last little end bit there is a little bit inaccurate now because Nikki's actually been appointed as the Associate Director of Grey Eye Theatre Company that she talks a lot about in that interview. I hope you enjoyed uh, the interview and hope you've taken some things from it, whether that's about assistant director tips or approach to access about the Royal Exchange, Young Company. Yeah, so we will see you next week for our next episode, which is going to be an interview with Garfield from Sustained Theatre Up North. Sustained Theatre Up North, or STUN Live, as it's called, is an organisation that's currently got its own space within Z Arts in Hume, and they work to support artists from culturally diverse backgrounds in the Northwest. And we speak to the director of the organisation, Garfield Allen, who talks to us about Stun Live, but also about his career and when he, he used to run the Green Room, which was a venue that did a lot of experimental, maybe live artwork uh, that closed down uh, in the mid-2000s. So it's a very interesting interview about the theatre scene in Manchester now, but also what it used to be uh, 10, 15 years ago. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please do uh, share it on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, or just drop us an email message to say that you've enjoyed it. It really does make a difference. Uh, me and Sophie do this just in our free time, so it does make a difference uh, when we hear that people enjoyed it or found it useful. Subscribe for free on Spotify by searching for us, Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast, or you can do the same on your iPhone, the podcast app on your iPhone, or or whatever app you choose to listen to podcasts on. If you don't have a podcast app, find one, search for us, Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast, and you'll get all of our episodes straight onto your phone to listen to. See you next week. <laughs>